Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. I'm fresh back from Northern Ireland in the Open Championship at Royal Port Rush. Let me tell you, it was a spectacular event put on by the country of Northern Ireland. They did such a great job just organizing this event. I took the train from Belfast, which is about an hour and a half from the course, and they had people at the train station waiting, answering any questions you had, and all along the way, once you get off the train, once you get to the front gate, there was people everywhere just directing traffic, and the folks in Northern Ireland, just the nicest people in the world anyways, if you haven't been, it's just, if you ask someone for directions, they'll literally walk you to where you're going, that's how nice these people are. And it was just an extremely well-run event. First time for me at the Open, which was extremely special. And got to bring my son, which was really cool. So I want to give a shout out to Leanna Rice over at Tourism Northern Ireland, who provided me the tickets. And a big thank you to Bert McKay, who originally invited me out to Northern Ireland for his event at Castle Rock Golf Club, which is just down the road from Port Rush. And got to do a media day over at Castle Rock. I'll be bringing you an interview with Bert here later in the month of August. But it was just a really fantastic time. I can't say enough about the shape that that course was in. Seeing it in person, so completely different even from television. I mean, it looked great on TV, but the undulations of those greens in person were just something special. So if you haven't already, take a look at my pictures. I put a bunch on Instagram and LinkedIn of that that course. You'll, you'll get a sense of what it looked like from a spectator's point of view. But just a great week we had out in Northern Ireland, me and the family. Even got a chance to spend some time with Mr. Leighton Walker from Golf Club Talk UK. Make sure you listen to that show. But Leighton and I, we got invited over to Port Stewart. Thanks to Judy Hutton, the manager over at Port Stewart. What a incredible course in its own right. Port Stewart is just down the road from Royal Port Rush. That clubhouse is one of the coolest clubhouses I've ever been in, in terms of a 360 panorama from a second floor view that you get when you're in the bar restaurant area. And Judy's just doing a great job at that club over the last couple of years. And the course was just in immaculate shape. I mean, the first nine at Port Stewart is something out of a movie. It's it's just otherworldly. And the back nine is incredible links golf as well. But the front nine, you see these huge moguls, almost like mountains on the course. You feel like you're on another planet. And that is one place that you've got to see and take your members to. If you're thinking about taking a member trip with your members, you've got to have Northern Ireland right up at the top of the list. It is a golfing destination that really is like no other because First of all, you've got golf that rivals anything out there in the world. But again, the people are so incredible. It's a relatively inexpensive place to be. And it's just easy to get around. And in addition to wonderful golf, you've got all these beautiful natural highlights. You've got the Giants Causeway. You've got the Carrick Reed Rope Bridge. You've got all these incredible natural wonders. Then for the family, you've got all these awesome Game of Thrones locations. So for any Game of Thrones fans out there, All the places you see in that show, many, many of them were filmed right there in Northern Ireland. So for a little country, it packs a huge punch and it should be a destination for any club who's looking to take a little trip with their members. 
I didn't get to play Royal County Down, but that's the number one course in the world. You've got Castle Rock, as I mentioned, just a fabulous Lynx golf course, Port Stewart and Port Rush, which everybody's going to be wanting to play. But each of those four courses are very special, and there's many more hidden gems throughout the country. So you've got to check it out. Take your members on a trip to Northern Ireland. I'm hooked. I've got the bug for Lynx Golf. That was my first time golfing Lynx Golf. I was under the weather, which I was a little bummed down about because I'd been playing so good before I went out there and didn't play so well being sick and having like a strep throat infection, but got through it and loved every second of it. And I can't wait to make my next trip out there to Northern Ireland. So that is the story of my last week. Hopefully you had a great week and we've got a great guest for you this week on the show. Mr. Terry Anglin of the San Diego Yacht Club. Talk about an entertaining individual. I've been trying to get someone from a yacht club for a long time on this show and it's been tough finding the right person. But luckily, our good friend Michael Crandall gave me Terry's information, and we hooked up a couple months ago. Terry agreed to come on the show, and he is one of the coolest interviews that I've done in a long time. Just so easy to talk to. We talked about wine. We talked about the differences of a yacht club to other clubs out there, and just got a little more information on Terry and his backstory. And you're going to love every minute of this interview. That's for sure. So that's coming up here in just a moment. Before I bring Terry on, just wanted to remind you to check out membertext.net. Membertext.net is a really cool application that helps you communicate better, more effectively, and more efficiently with your members. No more back and forth via email. No more wondering if your message got to them and not getting a reply from your members. You'll know immediately with Membertext. It's a very inexpensive platform. I think it's a no-brainer for every club out there. So if you're looking to communicate better with your members and with your staff, check out membertext.net. Do it. You will not be disappointed. Membertext.net. Check it out. All right. Without further ado, here is my really fun chat with Terry Anglin of the San Diego Yacht Club. Enjoy. Well, my next guest is Terry Anglin of the San Diego Yacht Club. He's the GM COO over there. Almost 10 years now. He is the past president of the CMA Volunteer Chapter. He served two tenures on the board of the Golden State Chapter and is past host of the International Wine Society. Terry's presented his Wine 101 at several world conferences. And in 2015, he received the Excellence in Club Management Award from the McMahon Group and Club and Resort business. Terry, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thank you, Gabe. Pleasure to be yeah, here. Terry, I'd love for you to give us a background because you're not just a yacht club guy, but you've been in some other clubs out there. Give us a little history of yourself. Well, I got into business back in 1979. I jumped on a motorcycle uh, in St. Louis, Missouri and rode out to Colorado to find myself. Uh, and I found myself working at Keystone Resort uh, and uh, experienced six years out there learning the uh, resort business uh, and then decided I was getting a little chilly in Colorado and moved down to Florida and took a position with the Arvida Company uh, and started off at Longboat Key Club, which was my first introduction to private clubs. Uh, and I've been involved in the private club field ever since. I've had some chances to spend time in uh, Sea Island, Georgia, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, um, Los Angeles, California, Thousand Oaks, uh, doing yacht clubs, country clubs, and tennis clubs during that tenure. Uh, I was uh, 16 years at the University Club of Memphis in Tennessee, which is primarily a tennis uh, club, 
125-year-old club. And then uh, my other long-term tenure has been here at San Diego Yacht Club. Uh, we're, we formed in 1886 uh, with 2,100 members and 600 slips uh, and uh, 500 dry storage areas, 125 employees, and an operation that's open 364 days a year. Wow. Uh, so it's a big machine that never stops here at San Diego. Yacht What's Club. the day that you do take off out of curiosity? <laughs> I usually try to do Sundays and Mondays. Sunday is a, a wrap-up of all the regattas that we maybe had on the weekend. And then Monday, as is typical in most clubs, it's very slow. Sure. Uh, and then there's not a lot of membership. Activity. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned 364 days. So is it New Year's Day, Christmas Day? <laughs> Oh, we close Christmas, Christmas Day, Day. Okay. Uh, and that's cool. it. Uh, and the dining room is actually open seven days a week, three meals a day, 364 days nice. a year. So we do, do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We do about 12,000 meals a month out of our food and beverage operation. That's incredible. Um, well, the, you know, the reason I wanted you to come on the show is because in the history of the show, we've yet to really talk about yacht clubs and really what makes yacht clubs unique from country clubs. So in your mind, what are some of the differences there, Terry? Um, some of the big differences uh, are, one is the financial commitment. Uh, obviously, if you're going to join a yacht club, uh, you're going to have a boat, uh, and you're going to be spending you know, 200 to a million uh, for your boat. Um, as conversely, with a, with a golf club, you can spend $2,000 on a set of clubs, and depending on uh, how exclusive you want your club to be, uh, you can get in for as little as $15,000 or so in a private club, a uh, golf club. The other difference I've really seen uh, has to do with the membership. Um, here at San Diego Yacht Club, we have 31 committees, and so the membership involvement is much, much greater at yacht clubs than it is in um, private country clubs uh, with golf. Uh, it's a bit different, uh, and we're very committee-driven here. Um, and, and so a lot of things, uh, the committees do committee work. They recommend it up to the board, and the board makes the decisions. Um, and what I'm also seeing in... Yacht clubs is, at least in our situation, the demographics are changing a great deal. Uh, our membership's getting younger. Uh, in the past five years, the average age of the new members entering San Diego Yacht Club is just right around 40 years wow. of age, which changes everything entirely because you get the families involved a little bit more. Uh, and you've got the kids, and so they're looking for more social activities, more kids' activities. The pool and the tennis courts have become a bigger factor here at San Diego Yacht Club than they ever were before, uh, which leads me to one of the other differences in golf clubs and yacht clubs in that the family involvement is much greater. Uh, if you have a boat, you go out on a Sunday afternoon with your wife and kids, and it's a family thing sailing together as compared to the guy saying, hey, honey, I'm going to go play golf <laughs> this morning, and you don't spend for six right. hours. Uh, yeah, this way, I hope husband and wife can go out together. The kids are in a junior program. They've learned how to sail, and it becomes a, a bonding and a family experience. And, and we foster that by having a, a lot of uh, young regattas here where there's uh, uh, the kids sailing as well as the adults. We've got something coming up called the Dutch Shoe Marathon that will have 120 sabots in it. And the sabots a little one-person boat that's maybe about 10 feet long. Uh, and there, uh, all these people uh, are going to sail from San Diego Yacht Club to Carnota Island. Uh, and I would guess the youngest one's probably going to be about eight years old, going to, there over to 65 oh, years right, of wow. age. Uh, and everybody does it together in a big thing and uh, have a big party then when they get to Carnotta Island. That's super. That's really cool. I, 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 I tend to think, you know, maybe you're a little limited because you've got, you know, you don't have the big property that a, a country club might have. But what are some unique ways that you use the, the space you've got in order to do some family activities there? 
well, what we have, we've got, as I mentioned, the pool uh, and the tennis courts. We have two hard tennis courts, so we've got the swimming pool. Uh, we've got a grassy pavilion area by it. Uh, and then we also have a, what is called the sail wash lawn, which is another grassy area there. Um, so that gives us the ability to do all kinds of different things on the grass. Uh, every Friday night, we set up games out there for the kids to play uh, jarts. Well, not jarts. Those are dangerous. Uh, we play bocce ball, uh, badminton, uh, ping pong, etc. and the parents are on the deck uh, having uh, a drink and some hors d'oeuvres, and they can watch their child out there. And again, it's part of the, the bonding experience of putting everything together at the club. We have a junior program that a few years back was voted as the best junior program in the United States that has about 400 kids involved in it. It's so busy. In our summer sessions, we can only do half days. We do a morning half day and an afternoon half day um, because there's so many kids involved. But the quality of the program and the instructors is what kind of sets it apart. Again, makes the family atmosphere and the tradition of San Diego Yacht Club uh, in that people who have come through our junior program include Dennis Connor, uh, Malin Burnham, uh, both Sailing Hall of Fame members, uh, Andrew Campbell, who sailed for the Olympics uh, and currently is uh, on the crew of the Oracle uh, trying to keep America's Cup here. Uh, Graham Beale uh, came through our junior program. He's the uh, waterfront director at St. Francis uh, Yacht Club, but he was an Olympian. And so these people then come back and talk to the kids uh, who are coming through our program, and they all stand there and say, gosh, I want to be him someday. I want to be that good of a sailor. Yeah. Um, and then throughout the year, uh, we do various family events. We just did our 4th of July event, and this is one of the most bizarre things you'll ever see in your life, is we take our sail wash lawn area and uh, divide it up into 10 by 10 squares, and people come in and put tents up there, and they live there for four straight no days. Way. It's our members who are there. <laughs> they do not leave. They are here 24-7. Uh, I think there's 45 spots uh, that are 10 by 10, and these people moved in this past year. It was on a Wednesday, and they finally moved out on a Sunday. So we had our new best friends there the whole time uh, for those four <laughs> nights uh, enjoying the club. And a funny aside story, the first year I was here at the club, um, I had some visiting yachtsmen come in, and we, it was right around the 4th of July holiday, so the tent city, as we call it, was all set up. Uh, so this lady says to me, she says, Terry, it's really nice you let the homeless people stay here over the holidays. <laughs> and I said, lady, those are all club members right. out there. There's the mayor, there's the chief of police. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't the homeless visiting us, uh, but it, it's a big family thing, and, it, and it, the people sign up. They get there at 2 o'clock in the morning, so we, and we open the doors at 7 so you can sign up for a place in tent city. Wow. I mean, it, it's embraced so warmly by the membership. So if you want to do some proper hoboing, now you know to, to uh, take a visit to the San Diego Yacht Club. <laughs> of course, being in San Diego, exactly. at least you got the great weather, so that, that makes it makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, that um, helps. Now, the other thing that I admire about yacht clubs that I see when I visit some of these clubs around the country is there's really a good rivalry, but really a camaraderie amongst yacht clubs. And can you speak to a little bit about you know, maybe some of your local clubs and how that's different from, from what you've experienced at these golf and tennis clubs? Yes. Um, the, there is a great camaraderie uh, and fellowship amongst those that are on the water. Uh, and, and it extends into the clubhouse and into social activities. Um, you know, we do a couple different regattas here where people come in from around the country and or the world, uh, and they've known each other for, for years. They've been competitors for years. But at the end of the day, after they're out in a uh, race course, and they could be even yelling at each other out in a race course, they come back in, everybody gathers in the bar and uh, has a drink and talks about how much fun they had, and they tell lies about each other <laughs> in there. Uh, so it, it's the best thing. One of the uh, unique things about San Diego Yacht Club, too, is um, – 
we are the largest purchaser of Mount Gay rum in Southern no California. Way. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that supports our brigadas very, very well uh, in doing all that. But it's um, what I uh, look at it is, is the Corinthian spirit, and that's that's the big thing that is common amongst yacht clubs around the world is that everybody helps each other because. Unlike golf, when you're out on the water, uh, it can be dangerous at times. You can, you know, we sailors can get hurt, uh, sailors can get lost, things can happen, and so there's this fellowship uh, out there that we're all in this together and pulling for each other. And people have, you know, given up their places in regattas to go help out a, a boat in need. Uh, and it's a lot different than uh, being on the golf course because uh, you don't have the same. I would call it sense of adventure, uh, shared adventure that you would have uh, as you do on a yacht. Yeah, that's 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 pretty special for sure. And you guys have a lot of hardware as well. I walk into the, those yacht clubs and the cabinets are filled with silver. So you guys have some fun for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's interesting. We There are so many perpetual trophies is what we call them. Uh, and it's the same regatta sailed for every year, but it's been going on for 75 years. So many of these trophies look like a Stanley Cup in that they've had to keep getting them bigger and bigger to add more plaques uh, for recognizing the winners all the time. We've got one in our lobby. It's called the Lipton Cup that's been sailed for since 1905, and it is uh, connected with the T. Sir Henry Lipton, or Thomas Lipton, excuse me, uh, was the gentleman who started it. Uh, And there are 12 clubs that sail for that every year. uh, And then the trophy gets passed around like the Stanley Cup uh, and will be at the – club uh, that was the winning club for the next year uh, until somebody else wins it we are just lucky that we win it most of the time so it stays here all the time but you walk into the front lobby of the club and that's the first thing they hit you is this uh, three foot tall trophy <laughs> with uh, a sailboat on top with all the silver and wood and all the plaques going. yeah around. i'd love to walk in and see those well let's talk about these 31 committees you have i assume you have a commodore as well talk about the governance structure uh, a little bit more if you could let's take a little deeper dive uh, certainly. We have a, a board that uh, consists of nine people, uh, and uh, we have the flag officers. It's the uh, Commodore, the Vice Commodore, and the Rear Commodore, and then the other six board members uh, that are there. Something unique about our club is that we elect one board member each year, and you're on the board for nine years. It's, it's a big commitment to uh, be on the board at San Diego Yacht Club. And as you're on that board for the nine years, you are the liaison to the various committees. So... You may be, uh, by the time you get to be Commodore, you have been the liaison for all of the 31 committees to get up to that level and at that time have a good idea of what it takes to run San Diego Yacht Club and private clubs in general. We do have in the 31 committees uh, a vast variety. We've got an anglers group that goes out fishing. We've got amateur ham radio guys who are on the radio at 5 o'clock every morning talking to uh, Buenos Aires. Uh, we've got a uh, bridge deckers. That's the uh, ladies who play bridge once a week here. Uh, the sexy senior sabbats who take out these little sabbats, of which I spoke previously, uh, and go out together. And the house committee, facilities committee, finance committee, etc. cetera. Um, and so, again, I go back into the that member involvement. Of those 31 committees, let's say there's an average of nine, eight people on each committee. So there's a you know a 10%, 15% of our membership is involved in committee work on a daily or weekly, monthly basis. Wow, yeah. Well, I, do you think that then that leads to a, a maybe a stronger board who is more strategic focused? Or, you know, what what are your thoughts on, on the, that difference between that and a country club? Definitely so. I, what I've seen in too many times in country clubs is at, at the board level, they end up doing committee work. Uh, and, and the board, our board, is there to set vision, policy, and strategy. 
Um, they're not there to solve the problem. Why is the hamburger cold? That's done at the House committee level, uh, et cetera. Uh, and it enables them to look, you know, three, five, ten years down the road, which is in the long run is much, much healthier for a club than trying to uh, analyze why is the food cost uh, 2% over at the board right. level um, there. And so the, the strategic planning that we've been able to do here, uh, it's, it's done yearly. Uh, we revisit it uh, mid-year uh, and seeing how we're doing uh, that year to date and then uh, to use that to develop our five and ten year um, financial projections uh, so we know if and when we have to do a dues increase, et cetera, and then it gives us a chance to analyze you know, what are the trends going on in our area, specifically here in San Diego. We're faced with a minimum wage increase every year of a dollar an hour. Well, each dollar an hour represents over $100,000 in payroll increase to San Diego Yacht Club. So how do we mitigate that by trying to save money, raising revenues, being creative uh, in whatever we need to do. And, again, that's part of the strategic planning of the board, how we can keep the club healthy uh, for another 130 yep. years. Now, I want to move on a little bit from that conversation, talk about you as a manager and some of the efforts that you've gone ahead with in terms of building an all-star team. What is your recipe for success to get the right people on the bus? Well, <laughs> That's a great question. I, I define my role in two ways. One is I'm the leader of the orchestra. I don't play any one instrument as well as anybody on my team, so to speak, does, but my job is to make them the best that they can be in their particular discipline. My other role here is the pastor of the parish, I call it, in that I make everybody get along. I'm the one who's the problem solver. I'm the one who uh, gets the members uh, communicating with the staff, staff communicating with the members. I'm the buffer between membership and staff and the board. I'm the one who kind of is is the grease in here and making everybody uh, happy. My philosophy in all this is that you know, I hire the right people. I hire for talent. I don't hire for skill. We can teach skill. But I can't teach you to be dedicated, hardworking, uh, intelligent, uh, energetic, creative. I can't teach you any of those things. What I can teach you is the nuts and bolts about the business. Um, so my first thing is, you know, I'm hiring for talent every time. Uh, and I've been very fortunate in that we've got some people who have been here longer than I have at the club who have adopted uh, into our um, philosophy uh, of that. They drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Uh, and we've been fortunate to bring some other folks along uh, you know, onto the team. What we need to understand and what I've got the board to understand is we're not going to hang on to everybody forever. In other words, there's only one clubhouse manager here. If you want to be a clubhouse manager, I will get you to a certain point, and then you will probably be moving to another club, but I've gotten you to that point where you can move to that club and be a clubhouse manager elsewhere. Uh, so we realize I love success stories like that. I hate to lose people, but I love it when they've taken a better job because an opportunity arose that we put them in the position that they could attain. That, that's fantastic. Have you had any mentors in your life, Terry? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, actually. There was uh, a guy named John Vest, uh, who's now down in Texas. John's retired. Uh, he was a big source of uh, uh, my getting in this business and loving the business. Another gentleman, Harry Maines, who manages or used to manage Tampa Yacht Club right in your area there, Gabe. Uh, Harry was the one who hired me on and said, you know, give me a couple years. And he finally came to me and says, you need to go someplace. I can't teach you anymore. Uh, and so that was a big help uh, to me in doing that. And then one of the other guys that really has been an inspiration to me is a fellow club manager, a guy named Joe Basso, uh, who's up in uh, Michigan. 
up there, and he just won one of the CMAA Fellow Awards. He was one of the first recipients of that. Joe is a consummate professional. He's also past host of the International Wine Society, but those three guys are the ones who really helped me uh, forge what I am doing now. And sometimes I sit here, Gabe, and I think, you know, I'm a middle-class, blue-collar kid from St. Louis, Missouri. How am I managing San Diego Yacht Club? <laughs> you know, it's just, And I don't know, I don't have a secret that I can just publish a book on. It's uh, A lot of it is just the way I feel and the way I treat people, and it's all about relationships. Uh, you know, I, I love my staff, uh, and, and you know, thank goodness they love me, uh, and, and we show that love and that respect on a daily basis to uh, each other. That's so cool. That's special for sure. Now, you're also a big-time wine enthusiast. You do some special things over at the club in regards to wine. Tell us a little bit about that, Terry. Okay. Well, um, yes, I'm past host or president of the International Wine Society. Uh, I'm not a sommelier. I'm just an average, average, uh, avid wine enthusiast uh, there. But um, we do a monthly Darren and Terry show. Darren's our chef here. Uh, and we do a, a nice, inexpensive $60 uh, for four courses um, food and wine pairing. Uh, and uh, my chef, unfortunately, does not drink, uh, so that leaves the tasting of the wine to my <laughs> wife and I. Uh, Hopefully you spit it out. <laughs> sitting in the, front of the fireplace. The spittoon? <laughs> oh, no, gosh, no. <laughs> uh, and so we write a rough outline of the menu, present it to the chef, and he does some uh, changes in the whole thing. But we also have done some different things, too. I'm a big believer in education and wine education. I uh, if you look on YouTube, you can see uh, I've got a video on there, Wine 101, in which I do uh, the basics of wine uh, in there. I teach that for our staff uh, on a routine basis. But we do some different things. Uh, just because it's wine dinner doesn't mean it has to be wine. So we've done a beer dinner. We've done scotch dinners. We've done bourbon dinners. Um, we also did something out of the box. We did wines of Costco one time. All the Kirkland There's some pretty good ones it, there. It, it's amazing. Yeah. How, yeah, there is good stuff in there. Uh, and then what we try to do is do some things with our junior members, uh, getting them educated. I've got uh, a little kit here called Lene Devin that has all the sense that one will find in wine. And so we play, you know, a game and round robin with uh, putting these different scents in glasses of wine and seeing if our members can identify the scent that's in that wine. Uh, and again, you smell 10,000 things, you taste sure. sick. So uh, you, what very much of your wine experience is going to be in how the wine smells uh, before you put that in your wine in your palate. Uh, we also uh, do a Bordeaux blending uh, class, so to speak. We give everybody the five uh, Bordeaux wines and have them make their own blend and write their own label uh, and then get up and talk about their wines. And we have judges that taste their Bordeaux blends. Um, and usually we'll come up with one good one. We get uh, sick that you go, oh, my gosh, uh, and then you get one that's really good, and they do a pretty good job about it. Uh, our, my background is, uh, you know, I've made wine before. I've helped some of the guys out in California, Matt Gustafson with uh, Paul Matthew, and uh, worked with Doug Nall a little bit on uh, some of his stuff at the Nall Winery. Uh, so I'm an avid amateur, but uh, it, it's fun. Uh, it's one of the things that have really added a lot, I think, uh, to the social aspect of San Diego Yacht. There's that, a movie that I love. It's called Psalm, which you can probably see on Netflix. I don't know. Have you seen that one, Terry? Yes, I love I the, the guy. He's like, what do you smell here? And he's like, uh, fresh cut hose, new tennis balls. I think he's doing it. I think it's a Sauvignon Blanc or something he's he's drinking. And it's uh, just the descriptions. Uh, what was it? Uh, like, um molded wool <laughs> like just crazy amazing stuff are, now are you good are yeah. you good enough where you can can you can you do the blind tastings uh i'm not quite that good i can tell you probably which varietal it okay. is 
and maybe what's geographic location it comes yeah. from, but I can't tell you what vintage right. it is. Okay, well, that's still pretty um, good. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got a strange talent in that I'm a super smeller. I can uh, smell a wine and give you five different things I pick up out of it, but I am not a super taster, uh, which was brought home to me way too close. Uh, a couple years back, uh, we were my wife and I were in Sonoma with a winemaker, and this lady came in who's a food consultant. And what she does, if you want to have a green uh, ketchup that tastes like Chipotle, she can help you design that. Well, she had these little strips uh, that you put on your tongue. And it identified if you were a super taster or not, picking up the number of taste buds that you mm. have on your tongue. Yeah. And the winemaker, my wife, and his son all stuck them in their mouth. I go, oh, my God, this tastes terrible. I put it in mine, Gabe, and I tasted cardboard. <laughs> I said, give me another one. <laughs> tastes like cardboard. So I was hit in the face with, you're not a super taster, you're a super wow. smeller. Well, I guess. So the idea of my wife and I going together and tasting these wines for the dinner I smell them, she tastes them, and boom, it works. I'm together. taking a trip to Italy. Uh, I'm going to go truffle hunting. I'm going to take you with me. <laughs> mm, that would be wonderful. Let's go to Alba and drink all the wines in that all right, area. Right on. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you've also got an online course you've put together. Tell us how we can check that one out, Terry. Um, well, if you look up Terry Anglin and you go to YouTube, uh, let me say you go to YouTube first and look up Terry Anglin Wine 101. Uh, it's a one-hour course that really delves into the six major varietals uh, that comprise 80% of the wine sold in the world. And then some other off-the-cuff type information on how to store wine, how they make wine, uh, color how you shop for wine. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, so many people, uh, it's a marketing play. You look, walk into a liquor store and the wine that's at eye level, oh, that looks good, let me grab that. That's where they mark up all the wines right there. The wines you want to buy are ones you have to kind of get down uh, and crouch down and look at the lower level. That's where you're going to find your bargains and your different kind of wines and things that you want to taste. That was one of the fun things when I moved out to uh, California from Tennessee and found my first Trader Joe's to go in there and look at all these wines that were inexpensive that I had never heard of before back in Tennessee and going through and tasting these $6.99, $10.99 bottles of wine. That's the fun in wine. You're finding something that's a bargain that you like because anybody can spend $75 on a bottle of wine and say, man, this is really good. I'd rather have that 10.99 bargain that nobody's ever heard of and I'll buy the living heck out of yeah, it. Yeah, there's a pretty cool app that I've used in the past called um, Wine Spectator Values, I think it's called. And usually, you know, yeah. they show you wines under $20 or under $10, whatever your price point is. And I found some pretty good ones that way as well. But that's a great tip that uh, I've always I've always suspected the eye level trick. And I know that like the the menu <laughs> trick is what you the second the second most expensive wine on your menu is probably your where you're getting the most markup. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and people invariably buy the top and the bottom wines if they're not sure right. of what they're mm -hmm. getting it's either the top selection or the bottom selection so you bury your ones in the middle uh that you have the least markup on and are the less profitable and the ones that everybody's looking for they'll find the uh you know zinfandel that they're looking for if they want to find it as compared to oh let me just take this top one because I'd, I'd like to try it and right terry and his crew seem to know what they're doing about the wine so let's venture out and try something different <laughs> Uh, the other things we do here too is we probably have you know 25 wines by the glass that members can taste at any given time, and you know we're not hesitant to open a bottle behind the bar and say here try this uh, and go ahead and do it like that. Um, it, it was you know as I mentioned before, San Diego Yacht Club's the largest purchaser of Mount Gay Rum, and we've really gotten the 
wine business going here uh, with the Darren and Terry show that I spoke of previously. We do 50 to 60 people uh, each time, and then every uh, Christmas we do a ladies' champagne night where I uh, have four or five champagnes that we have the ladies' taste, uh, and then they invariably want me to saber a bottle, which is you take the big metal sword that I have and it pops the top off without uh, undoing the bottle there. Uh, but it's interesting listening and doing this course Ladies, the first glass, you can kind of hear me. The second glass, I need a mic. The third glass, I'm screaming into the mic. And by the time we get to the fourth glass of wine with all the ladies, I just give up talking at that time. (laughs) They're having too good of fun to listen to me. (laughs) I love it. Terry, I've enjoyed this conversation immensely. If folks want to find out a little bit more about the San Diego Yacht Club, where should they check it out? Uh, We've got a website. It's uh, www.sdyc for San Diego Yacht Club.org. Uh, and there'll be our calendar of events and all the events going on here at the club it has the staff listing. Uh, and, uh, you know, please go check it out. And if you ever have any questions, don't hesitate to give me a call at the club. Thank you so much, Terry. I really enjoyed it so much here on private club radio. Thank you, sir. And I uh, hope to speak to you again on this show. All right. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, invite me back anytime. I'd love to do it. Well, that's a wrap here on private club radio for this week. Thank you for spending some time with me and Terry this week. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate that you spent it with us. I hope you have a wonderful, productive week and I'll catch you back next week. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.